Welcome to Industrial Marketing Live. My name is Peyton Warren. I am a senior strategist here at the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76, and I am one of your IML hosts. Uh, today, we're gonna tackle the topic um, that I have decided to call the art of the CTA. Um, CTA being call to action. Um, at Gorilla76, we're really focused on generating demand. And that means that we help our clients go after those high intent, high value leads that are going to move through your pipeline, um, sometimes even more quickly than just a general lead that you're um, that you're getting or a lower intent lead. Um, so to quickly define the term, uh, yeah, a high intent lead would be someone who is like raising their hand to talk to sales. So that request a consultation sort of um, person. But uh, I guess like <laughs> the question then comes up is, does that mean that our only CTA options are request a consultation or contact us? And uh, the answer to that is a resounding, uh, heck no, it doesn't. Uh, and so we wanted to have a bigger conversation about that today. And joining us, we've got Aaron, Moby, and some of the Gorilla greats, uh, Mary Tomlinson and Alan Fenewald, uh, two of our senior writers who specialize in go-to-market and conversion copywriting specif specifically. Um, so Mary and Alan, I'd love for you guys to say hello because we don't always get the pleasure of your time on, on the show. So you can just say hi and feel free to introduce yourselves so we can jump in. Thanks, Peyton. Happy to be out of the writer's den in the live <laughs> show with everybody. Um, yeah, I'll quickly introduce myself. Uh, like Peyton said, I'm a senior writer here at Gorilla. So I've worked with Alan for a number of years um, and I've worked uh, in B2B for uh, about five years now. So learning about clients and turning it into good, compelling copy for working in that B2B space. And I'm really excited to chat writing strategies and kind of nerd out with y'all today. And I'm Alan Finnewald. Um, I am the senior writer that specializes in conversion. So that's mostly ads and landing pages. And then, you know, I also do uh, the other writing as well. Um, and I'm a former reporter and editor turned marketer for now four years. Which sucks. Time goes by so fast. Um, happy to be here and I'm very excited about this conversation. So thanks for showing up. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, well, with that, I don't know, Aaron, is this something that you want to introduce a little bit more about just like CTA strategy or you want to you want to take a stab at, at that first introduction or you want me to dive in? No, that's OK. I think what came up in our planning call for this conversation when we think about CTA is like CTA, you do think buy now first, right? It's like add to cart. It's get a quote. Um, but CTA really just stands for call to action. And there are lots of ways that you can call your customers to action. Um, and so like in a modern marketing plan, you're not always asking someone to buy. Um, you're trying to give someone an opportunity to convert um, because not all of your total addressable market is going to be in buy mode right now. Like we see that a lot in uh, industrial spaces is there's long sales cycles. It's a big purchase. It's not just like an impulse buy for a new pair of shoes, maybe. You know, it takes some time to make that decision. Um, and so 
Yeah, I think that's a good way to round the conversation today. Mary Allen, do you have um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think that there there is a habit of people to either use the same thing over and over again or always be try to reinvent the wheel with the CTAs. I would say that there's a time and place for everything and you just need to know what is best for for where you are at, at, where you're trying to attract in the buying funnel. So just to start off with. Totally agree. Yeah, and Moby, actually, I saw something that you posted recently on LinkedIn um, about this uh, and about just like kind of addressing the different places that your total addressable market might even be um, in that buying journey. Don't know if you want to speak a little bit more to that yeah. uh, specifically. Absolutely. I'll drop the link here so you guys can see the visual as well. Um, ideally, in a world, uh, we would show our market CTAs or messages would say, get a quote, talk to us. But really, when we look at the other side of the people and where they are in the buying cycle, this is a graph from one page marketing plan. And it's not a law. It's not a rule, but it's a good way to think about it, which only 3% of your market, maybe 1% is ready to buy. They're going to react to messages which are more bottom of funnel, like talk to us, get a quote, um, ask for this. The rest of the market, they're going to, they're not going to be motivated or take action on a get a quote CTA. They're really going to be like, I'm still thinking about this. So when we think about CTAs, we have to think about getting in front of the 3%, the 2% of people who are ready to actually talk to somebody that they trust can solve their problem. And the rest of the market, we have to make sure that over time with our different calls to action, like Alan said, we make them believe that you are the top of mind and number one choice so that when you enter the, when they enter the mind cycle, they will come to you. And then if they see that CTA, which is like, get a quote, talk to us, they're ready to take action. Yeah, it's it's still like at the root of it, though. It's like a call to action. So I think something that comes up is like you still want to have like those action verbs, those. Um, uh, yeah, like, what do you want them to do? And um, I think one of the ways that it was presented uh, as we were like brainstorming for this conversation is like consider where your audience is in their buying journey and then answer the question or like fill in the blank, almost like Mad Lib, uh, like, I want to, what? What do they want at that different stage? And I, I think that's like a really like fun way we could have the conversation today. And I'd love to get into that. But maybe even before we uh, do that, um, I'd like to kind of like ping it back to Alan and Mary, like, what are some other like big points that you think is really important for folks to consider when they're starting to formulate their their calls. Peyton, I really like what you said about remembering the action part of it. So you're getting them to do something, you're compelling action. So I think, bef and before you can even get into playing around with some clever wordplay and um, engaging them to click on the button, think about what you want their action to be. What do you want them to do? Do you want them to consume information at this stage? I want them to blank. And that really gets you in the right headspace. Um, so yeah, those are just some initial thoughts, keeping that action oriented. Yeah, and thinking about what you want them to do, but also what they want to do, I would say. Um, when you're phrasing it, I would think of it more as the from the customer standpoint of, I want to 
learn more, for example, um, that's an easy one, or I want to see the specs, um, just thinking about, and of course, starting it with the see the specs, learn more, starting with the verb to immediately provide that agency to the reader so that they know, okay, this is the part where I have to do something. I am being asked to do something now. Um, I'm giving the opportunity to do something now. And that's what's going to draw them to that button and make them want to click it. Yeah. I also want us to be careful, too, in this conversation today, because like a call to action is even more than the button, right? Um, it's the button, like text is really important and like being like punchy. Um, and I think this is something that Aaron, you brought up, too, is like you want to be able to whatever the button says, that's the promise you're making. Uh, so like if they if it says see more, you want them to be able to click through and then actually see more. So like delivering on that promise too. But, um, but yeah, um, I think those are all really great points. Anything else that we're missing that we need to make sure we cover on the outset here, Moby, Aaron? Uh, oh, sorry. Just one other thing real quick, but, um, just no, point. not you, Alan. I'm just kidding. Yeah, my bad. Uh, <laughs> no, go for it. <laughs> uh, I was just going to throw in there about like the the button aspect of it before we go back into intros or anything like that is that make sure it looks like a button, not it has not too much text where it becomes a design feature, right? Whenever you have almost a full sentence, it no longer looks clickable. It no longer feels clickable. And people kind of have an innate desire to press the button. So if it doesn't look like a button, you're going to lose that effect. On to Moby or Eric. Yeah, I think um, we got a good question in the chat already from um, Jared. Uh, do you find different audiences, types of job positions react to different CTAs than others? Or is it more influenced by their position in the buyer's journey? That might tee up where we were kind of planning to go next. But do you think you're writing more to like a specific job title or a different point in decision making? I feel like it's important to understand your audience and like their specific motivations, what they're trying to achieve. So like understanding what success looks like for a quality assurance engineer versus a procurement manager sort of thing. And so that could definitely influence what call you have um, and what they might engage with. Um, and what you might see get more engagement like in your ads to an audience of a bunch of engineers versus a bunch of managers or directors. Um, so like, yes, I think that job title has a play, but uh, yeah, ultimately, like if it's a more high intent action, it, I think that you want to give them want to lower the barrier enough where you're um, meeting them where they're at in the buyer's journey. Um, yeah, I would say they're, I would say they're related in that the higher in the funnel, the more job titles you're interested in attracting and the lower in the funnel, the more specific to the end user or the buyer you want to be. So you kind of have to play, keep them both in mind. Like if you're doing a brand awareness campaign, you know, all job titles are, are welcome. So I hear that. And to add to that, I think of audience way before the direction of copy or the CTA and job titles really play a part in when we think about who we're going to target generally in one audience, we all, all have a different sense of what job titles we want to have. Decision makers, ICs, people who are doing the job they want to improve, but 
don't necessarily have any power in the buying committee. That's the audience part. When it comes to the actual, what we're talking about, I find that messaging is better segmented when I think about cold, which in my CTA is almost always learn more. And I'm not asking them to contact us, but learn more. But when it comes to retargeting, the assumption that I've made is these people have engaged with our ads. They've shown interest in our messaging. That's when I segment to a much more bottom of funnel call to action. Yeah. And maybe we should talk about that, like the CTAs by funnel stage, like starting with someone who doesn't know that you exist. Moby already called out a really good one, like I want to learn more. But what are some other good CTAs or, or tips for calling those folks to action who like don't even know who you are yet? Like to lean on the like, yeah, educational, um, showing them success stories is a great way to kind of get them introduced right away. So yeah, that's one one thing, Aaron. And you want to keep, especially for that high level, you want to keep them welcome and feeling like there's more to see on your site, right? You want to make them feel like there is something on that next page for them. Um, so gaining an understanding, the promising them that they're that they're going to gain understanding about how to solve their problems through your content and trying to keep them on the site as long as possible um, is probably your primary goal there. Yeah, I think when I'm doing those types of campaigns to like a completely cold audience, that's who I'm trying to talk to. I'm really thinking like, I just want to build awareness and trust with them. And so the action I'm calling them to, honestly, like I just want in-feed consumption. So the CTA button, I think I'm less focused on, but also I'm not the one writing uh, writing the ads or, or designing copy for this. Um, so yeah, I think those educational focused ones are definitely good at at that stage, um, making sure that when they're thinking about this problem they need to solve, you are kind of starting to become associated with it as a solution uh, in their minds. Great. That I think Aaron said something brilliant there, which is like, when we think about a cold audience, the goal of what we want to do with our campaigns is number one, have a reach objective, and then have them consume the content in feed and react. If they go to the website and we have a good click-through rate, that's 0 0.5, 0 0.6. That means 99.5% of people who saw the ad didn't actually go to the website. So in-feed consumption of content and copy and creative is extremely important in the cold stage because most people will never click that link in a given period of time. Yeah, I like how you said about the trust building too. That should be something that you think about with your word choice is what can I do to make them feel like I understand where they're at right now and that it's more likely that I'm going to provide um, the information they're looking for um, just based on how my word choice is and using language that they're going to be familiar with, if at all possible. So that's a, that's a high priority, especially in that high funnel. Yeah, Alan, I like to, going off of that, if you can like use direct language that your customers have said, when speaking about their problems to influence your CTA writing. So if you're hearing from customers, I'm constantly overspending on tooling or parts, stop overspending on tooling. That's a great, and especially in that top of funnel, you know, yeah, it's a little bit more negative, but if you're trying to get that reaction, get someone to click, um, that can really tap into something that makes them want to like, I do want to stop overspending on tooling. You understand my problem. I want to learn more. Um, so that's another another tactic 
uh, using those customer languages to influence your button copy. Yeah, I love that, Mary, because it's like at the very top of the funnel, if they don't know, just to keep using the funnel language, if they don't know that you exist, they don't, they're not familiar with your brand, your logo, really at all. They're in your cold targeting audience and you're just trying to pump out some information to them, gain some awareness about who you are. Um, like letting them know that like they, they very much might still just be trying to figure out what problem they're having, you know? So if you can start to articulate that, oh, hey, this thing that you're struggling with every single day, you're not alone. Someone else has struggled with that. And then they see your logo right next to that. And it's like, dig deeper, you know, gain some understanding about this problem that you're having and giving them that opportunity to maybe like just plug in because at that very top stage, they're not ready to, you know, maybe request the quote or raise their hand and talk to sales, but they are really interested in gathering information digging deeper, um, maybe browsing a little bit. You know, it's it's like these low pressure um, calls. That's what I see there. At the yeah. Time. I feel like when you really use your intro text to your CTA, especially we're talking like a landing page for a brand awareness campaign. That first sentence could be reiterating that this is the problem that you're having. We know how to solve this problem making it evident that you know what they're going through in the first sentence, and then using the two, second or third to make those big promises that they're really going to be intrigued by. And then at that point, you've set yourself up for the CTA to just be something like, see how we do it, or something that raises their curiosity gap and makes them intrigued, and then just make the CTA something very simple that they feel very comfortable clicking on because there's not going to be a huge pressure scenario. They know it's just going on to more info. Yeah, I also know at this stage, a lot of the content you may be putting in front of this audience is video content. And Salim asked an interesting question about that. Um, what are your thoughts on video CTAs? Since a lot of social channels are driving towards more video content, it can be really good at this like educational stage. Um, how do you write CTAs for that? Are we talking about to the CTA after the video or like to watch the video? Salim, I think unmute and clarify too. Yeah, that would be good. Probably. I don't want to make assumptions. Hello. Uh, yeah, it's both like in general, how do you treat your CTAs? Do you have the person in a video do the CTA? Is it a written CTA, uh, et cetera? Just your general thoughts on how you approach CTAs in videos where there's no click, but you have to compel an action. I'm working on this with a client right now, actually. Um, and we're moving to video CTAs uh, for them just because, you know, it starts, I, I want to break up what is being delivered in the feed. And it's just a lot of, you know, static images, static images. So it's like, hey, wouldn't it be nice if we humanize the brand with like your, um, someone that is uh, respected in that space, uh, in your industry, which is, you know, sometimes it's your point of contact or, you know, like that marketing person, or maybe it's the CEO or, you know, the VP of sales, whatever. Um, and like have them just like really, um, kind of like genuinely just say like, Hey, you know, like almost like a wave and like kind of stop in the feed sort of thing. Like, um, we're talking to you because you've, you've shown that you're interested. Like, and I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm going to just ramble here for a minute, but obviously you'd wordsmith this a little bit, but, uh, 
you know, we're talking to you because you've shown interest. You've visited our website or whatever. Like, so this is like a retargeting CTA. Um, and we have talked with lots of folks in your same position. Here's some different applications. Here's some different customers that we've worked with. And we'd love to solve this problem for you. If this all resonates with you, feel free to click and learn more, get in contact with our team. I'd love to hear more about your unique situation and how we could provide our services or um, solve that problem with our products. Um, so thanks for your time. And that's delivered in 30 seconds uh, in a video. And it gives folks the opportunity to you know, consume that information maybe in a way where, like you said, video is just really popular on social media. Folks like to consume content that way. So it's like just changing um, the delivery a little bit more. So it's the same CTA that we're delivering and writing, but offering it um, in a video format. I would very much agree, especially what you said about the humanizing the brand part. I think we're all, we all see ads all the time. And I feel like when someone sees, there's a thing about human to human marketing, but someone sees an ad and it might be relevant. There's a few things that go in their mind, which is these people, they don't understand me. They're not for me. I don't know if I believe them. And the goal, especially in cold, is not to compel somebody to take an action always because sometimes they're not ready. I look at video as the goal is to make them trust you, humanize your brand, at least show what's unique about how you solve their problems so that those objections that everybody has when they see an ad that might be relevant, but you're like, nah, like this is for me. They can solve my problem and they can solve my problem in a way that's actually good for me. I feel like that for me, and this is subjective, is the goal of video versus saying, click here. Yeah. Uh, Salim, I think you, you're touching on it in your chat, but I think that Peyton also mentioned too, that's a big thing that I think is important is message matching between the the CTA and your video, the CTA and the link headline or wherever, whatever format it is where they actually click to go to your landing page or wherever else. And then that matches with your header on your landing page. Um, just making sure that you're making it easy for the customer to know, okay, this is what they wanted me to do in the video. It's the same thing they wanted me to do in the button that I click on. And it's the same thing that they want me to see when we get there. So in that way, yeah, like you got to definitely include a CTA in the, in the video part, just to make sure that you're increasing that connectivity and making the friction uh, as smooth as or making it as frictionless as possible for them to know how to proceed. So say that now we're formulating a call to, was a little dog? <laughs> um, uh, say we're uh, formulating our CTA for uh, someone who might know a little bit more about us, is a little bit more familiar um, with our logo and maybe our company, um, but they don't necessarily, they're still not in buy mode. They don't need what we have right now um, or doesn't, at least they don't think that they do. Um, so what would you, what do you think they are wanting to do? What would you uh, call them to action with? So this is the point where we really, we've got the base information out of the way. We really need to build trust and confidence at this point. Um, and so that's where you want to point them towards social proof as much as possible. You know, read the case study, see the success story, you know, learn how they got it done. Make, keeping it now at this point to more specifics and things that people can relate to as much as possible. 
Um, that's where I think social proof is really the bread and butter when it comes to that kind of thing. But Mary, what do you think? Should we ask Mary or Zeus? <laughs> Zeus is being called to action by a squirrel outside our window. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. No, Alan, what you're saying about um, the message matching and like making sure it's like frictionless, like a good call to action, it shouldn't announce itself. It, it's it's supposed to be seamless and moving you smoothly through the process is uh, yeah, one thing I'll add. Yeah. And I feel like at this stage, well, at all stages, it's really easy to use the same verbiage at the beginning, like learn or see or something like that. And I just wanted to throw out there that it's important not to be too consistent when it comes to your language on those, because if someone sees the first word over and over again, they're going to quit reading it. Um, and you lose all effect of the CTA when they don't read the whole CTA. So just something to think about is keep your language varied enough that people don't start doing the skim by reaction. Um, but then you also, you know, don't want to make it too clever where they don't fully understand what you're asking them to do. Clear over clever every day of the week. Yeah. We also got a question earlier that I think fits with this from um, Jeff about the length of your CTAs, like drawing the line between being descriptive and unique, like uh, Alan was just saying, but also like have it be too long to really look like a button anymore. My rule of thumb is like four words is you're pushing it. If you're at four words, three words is better. Two words is good. If you can pull off one word, good for you. This is Alan coming. This is his brutal print background here. His editor days. He's like, chopping them extra words. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. It's like, if it can just be the verb, you know, um, then great. You know, um, so, so yeah, I think, uh, being, being like, just remember that, like, even in social, like say you're writing a LinkedIn ad, you have, you can build to your CTA. Your CTA is just like, or, or you can build to the button, I guess. So like your whole story can, uh, grow to that point, but that the button is like the punctuation at the end, um, that you're telling you. Click here to get this. Uh, so that gives you a little bit more like freedom to feel like you don't have to say it all right there in that button. Um, yeah, that's a great point. Like, if you feel like your button needs to be too long, then where can you get those words out of the button and into your intro text? And if you're afraid that they're just not going to see it in your intro text, then you might need to start work looking at your design because ideally all your text gets read. Yeah, I also think... Um, when you're showing like uh, when you're in the stage of building trust and doing social proof, I think being really explicit about like what the person's going to get is important. Like it's so easy to get like really clever, I think, when it's a case study. But if you like just very clearly say read case study, people who want to read a case study, that's just like I feel like that's like a light bulb in their head. Um, think about like what's going to I don't know, like kind of have that effect. Yeah, you can get more specific, I feel like in this part of the funnel than you can up top, you know, because at this point people have maybe come back and they are just looking for that one thing that they wanted to show their boss. Um, so yeah, like see the case study, whereas maybe higher up in the funnel, we would say like, you know, see their full story or something that's a little bit more human, I guess. I want to call out Rachel in the chat too. And Rachel, feel free to come on uh, if you're, if you're willing, because uh, she said that she used a longer CTA for a webinar. Um, 
and it performed well. And so I also want to just say, like, I think one of the big notes we have, like an asterisk, I guess, across this whole conversation is, um, you know, experiment, Uh, you know, like just like there are, I guess, rules like Luke asked a question in the chat earlier about, you know, what should buttons look like? And like, there's a rule that you should typically contrast. But is that always what you need to do? Maybe not. So yeah, so I'd be interested, Rachel, if you're willing to share a little bit more about your long, um, longer CTA success story. Putting you on the spot here too, if I can find Rachel in the chat or in the. Oh, she says she's typing as fast as she can. Okay, <laughs> we'll 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 circle back um, to that, and uh, we'll we'll make sure we voice it uh, for the sake of the folks listening. Um, cool. Well, then, anything else to say about the folks who might know that you exist, but they don't think they need you right now, or should we? progress um one other thing too is that other than the social proof it's showing how you've solved specific problems at that point too so if you have any material that may not necessarily be social proof but you're really attacking individual issues that these people are aware that you are delving in but maybe haven't gotten so deep into the specifics on that yet that's where it is where you could really uh, start making that content work for you And we have word from Rachel, by the way. Uh, The webinar was about vacuum receiver myths. So the CTA was um, register and uncover the myths, which I think is kind of cool. It sounds like mysterious. I want to uncover myths. That sounds awesome. It's five words. One of them is a short one. So, yeah, it's not too long. (laughs) Jeez, Alan. I'm going to count. Well, and I think... It was the it was the and symbol instead of the word and. So I don't know how you count that in your copywriting brain, but I'll give that a point five. Yeah, all right, percent is uh, is for the win. Um, awesome. Okay, so say now we are talking to someone who is very aware of who we are as a company, um, and they maybe are ready to move forward with a conversation what sort of things are you wanting to uh, or what sort of things are they wanting and uh, what sort of things can you be saying to them this is where you can fall back on the get a quote contact us you want these people to it's clarity over everything at this point they don't need you to be clever you've already sold them they just need to be able to get to where they need to go as smoothly as possible that's where it's also nice um, even if you might have some of these people in your funnel higher up is to have that kind of a backdoor quick access CTA. Maybe it's the get a quote button really big at the top right corner. That's um, a part of your your panel on your website um, that has just always got a kind of button look to it so that at any point they can always look up and be like, oh, that's where I wanted to get to. Um, And then also, you know, including that, especially for the, the campaigns that are targeting these people specifically, um, up high and down low, just everywhere that they need to find it, make it ex- extremely a- accessible and obvious. Clear over clever, clear over clever. Yep. Oh, sure. Mary, did you have any other tips when you're writing those? You wrote some really great CTA ads recently um, that were just super direct. Um, and I don't know what your thought process was going into those like 
what thoughts you have at this stage. Yeah, the thoughts that I have at this stage are, well, what, when I was talking, it popped up an idea in my head talking about the, the transitional CTA. So whether at this stage you want to give them a direct like get to quote or if they're like getting a little bit warmed up, they do know about you. Maybe they do want to learn more having those two contrasting next to each other. Um, another way to kind of hook them in if they're getting warmed up, but not necessarily ready to start yet. Um, yeah. An important part when we're talking about the intro text for these is this point, you would just need to give them as much of an idea of what the next step looks like, what this buying process is going to be. Uh, just give them a great idea of the time frame if you have it um, to, to try to give them a, a good idea of where they're going to go from here. Um, so intro text definitely needs to be accomplishing that at this point. Somebody else brought up in the chat earlier. I can't remember who it was. It's buried at this point. But um, the idea of like a, a no pressure consultation, like that's still very high intense, but like somebody at this stage might just want to have a conversation and talk about their problem um, and work through like potential solutions with you. I think that's still like a very, it's a very probably solutions sale oriented conversation. Um, but that could be something where you're like literally 30 minute consultation um, with one of our applications engineers, no pressure. Um, we run something similar for Gorilla and uh, it's, it's performed well. Yeah, Aaron, I really like that because it includes the emotional context of where the buyer is at there. That if you are afraid that this might not be quite right for you, like we we get it. Um, and that is going to like those two words do a lot to let the reader know that you get where they're at and that you are not going to take them somewhere that they don't want to go. And so if you can find a way to include that emotional context in such an efficient way, then that's going to really help you out. There's been some conversations in the chat, too, about gated content. And so I don't know if we want to talk about that at all. I think Gorilla has a little bit of a hot take on um, gated content. But it kind of depends on like what your lead generation, demand generation strategy is at your company. and Or I guess like what your lead nurturing uh, play is at your company. If you really have a robust program for nurturing. Uh, but I guess like what I'd say to that is... Um, in, and I think you can kind of see this in how we run industrial marketing live and like the gorilla blog, uh, we try to ungate as much of like our content as possible. Uh, and we try to encourage the same of our clients in, in the industrial space, because you're letting those folks who are earlier in the buyer's journey, get what they want, which is the information and gain um, a little bit more like um, just information about you as a company, your take on their problems, your take on like the specific application without having to, you know, give anything in return. And it's just like a really, I don't know, a, a nice, like a nice offering. Um, it, if you have like a really strong nurturing program where someone has to fill out and give you their email to then get a case study or get um, some like technical information, uh, then, you know, you just got to make sure that you're following up on that um, and developing that lead. 
before you all of a sudden hand them off to sales. Because if they're filling out to get like a white paper download, they're just not the same type of lead as they would be if they're filling out a form where they're raising their hand to have that next conversation. So I guess that's the only flag that I would just throw there um, to some of the conversation that's going in in the chat. Um, I think it's a little bit different than this like bottom of funnel that we're talking about, like ready to go, ready in buy mode versus ready to get some more information. I would still classify that person, even though they filled out the form, they're still much higher in your funnel than um, the other. Yep. And in that stage, they're driven by curiosity about what you're doing, how you can solve that problem. And I, I'm going to generalize here, but it feels so good when it's a case study on a website or you kind of download and you click on it and you're expecting to get the pop-up where it's your email and it goes directly to the PDF. I'm like, thank you, company. It feels so good because you're giving me the information I need to learn more about you. And if they're in buy mode and if you don't get content, they're going to read what you have. And if they truly are in buy mode, they're going to, the next step soon is going to be contacting you because they are going through the information that you've provided in a very ungated fashion. And Eric, you asked like a really great follow-up question in the chat that I think we can speak to. Um, so like he, Eric said, I can see where people would want to gate their content as a way of understanding whether or not it's working. I see the value of not gating the content, but what other ways would you measure it? Uh, measure how people are engaging with it if it's not via that form fill. And I think that's where you see, um, like if you don't already have Google Search Console set up on your uh, website or you're not tracking something um, like the pages that folks are viewing using like Google Analytics 4 or HubSpot, um, it's really interesting if you start to do like an audit of what content people consumed on their journey to fill out that high intent form. Um, instead of, I, I don't know, I think like whenever I've done like big audits in my uh, client accounts, um, folks might fill out that form, but then like they don't ever go anywhere else um, that, that gating content form and they don't actually become a customer. But whenever we um, put them on a different journey and we allow them to read the content and then dig deeper and dig deeper, whenever they've visited multiple pages, multiple content pieces, we see them progress and ultimately get to that high intent form more often. So I guess that's one way that we've kind of like measured it was like the likelihood or the the rate of conversion to high intent conversion versus just saying that low intent rate. And if you're going to need to do an intro for a gated content either way, I would also just recommend it, keeping it extremely benefits focused. Like why would people want this information? What are they going to get out of it? What is the end result they're looking for out of this information? Um, and then it doesn't hurt to include a little objection handling. If they, it's obvious that this is going to be something that they're like, it's going to create more things for them to do later because you are going to be contacting them or whatever it may be. It doesn't hurt to include a sentence about, you know, what they can expect, why they shouldn't be worried about what you're going to do with that information. Uh, you know, how much, how much, uh, information flow they should expect from you moving forward. Just something to let them know what you're going to be doing so that they don't see that form and just think, uh, oh, last time I fell out a form, the company really annoyed me. And so I don't want to do that again. I don't know. You got to trust build in that way. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like Celine made a good point. If it's something like downloading CAD drawings where you may, your engineering team might want to follow up to make sure that like things are going smoothly, something that's involved in like production, maybe like that's a good example of what Alan was saying, where you would handle that objection by saying like, we're, we'll only reach out to make sure that you'd have in case you have questions about this or to make sure things are going smoothly with your service request or something like that. Okay. We've covered a lot of ground today. Um, I also wanted to get to one last question before we kind of tie things up that we've been talking a lot about CTAs and like the world of um, like paid social, like writing them into ads. Um, uh, But Salim asked another great question in the chat about just social platforms de-incentivizing external links. And I think this is happening more often in organic um, content creation. But yeah, I'd like to pose that uh, question uh, to the to the team here. Uh, you know, how have you guys uh, changed your approach to sharing links and like your organic content creation? I know Moby and, and Aaron and Alan, y'all specifically are pretty active on LinkedIn. So curious. I haven't done this a lot, but something I've seen people doing is if they've really got a good motivational argument in their post of why someone should do the thing that they're asking them to do, then they just include the link with one little, like one character obviously being replaced with a different one so that someone can easily just copy paste, fix that one character that is obviously not the one it should be, and then go straight to the to the site. So that's just one thing I've seen people trying lately. Like dot replaced by parentheses spelled yeah, exactly. out. Yeah. But if you're going to do that, you have to really make sure that you've you've put out the proper motivation for them to want to do all that work because it's so much more, even though it's only like three more clicks, it's still a lot more than just hitting the button. Yeah. And the classic is, I think for a while has been drop, just saying link is in the comments and dropping it in the comment. Mm -hmm. And now they like to kind of like hide those too a little bit. But I think like if you at least note it and like, you're like, hey, look for the link in the comments, then the folks, like Alan said, it's a few more clicks, but if you've truly motivated them, they at least know that it's there and that they can find it um, there. So I think that's kind of where where we're at. Yeah. Awesome. Sweet. Well, um, wow. We talked about a lot. That was like a rapid conversation, it felt like. And um, yeah, I, I, I guess I would like to kind of tie it up with like, are any thoughts that we just need to like circle back to um, Alan or Mary uh, as far as like best practices go that you're just like, hey, by the way, <laughs> don't forget to to do this. <laughs> I love that the keep it simple, stupid was popping up in the chat. You know, that's a great reminder of keeping it simple, keeping it straightforward. And then also knowing what the rules are, what the common like copy that people use. So if you do want to break it and then get that extra attention, you can play around with that. So yeah, those are my closing thoughts. Yeah. Just always remember that I want to, and keeping, keeping all of your CTAs based on what the customer is looking to accomplish after that. Um, that would be my biggest point. And then just remember to, you know, not while, uh, being clear is always the most important. Don't be too repetitive either. Just you know, remember that because it's really easy to just keep using the same CTA over and over again for asking people to see more content or whatever it is. Cool. 
Well, if you've enjoyed the conversation today um, as much as we have, then I just wanted to send you a quick little invite here uh, to join us in Slack. Um, we keep the conversations going and, um, you know, go off the rails however we want in uh, our IML Slack community. So if you want into that, feel free to post in the chat or DM any gorilla here and we will get you added to Slack. Our next IML is scheduled for March 7th and we're super excited for it. We're going to be talking with um, some, some uh, I guess, like LinkedIn royalty a little bit. Um, uh, Justin Rowe and Jonathan Garcia of Impactable, um, another agency, but they are hyper-focused on LinkedIn. And um, they're constantly posting great content um, from their profiles about how to be running um, like just the the best tactics on LinkedIn as far as paid media goes. And also they are really great um, organically. So I'm really excited to talk with them. That's going to be March 7th. And uh, we can't wait for that conversation. But yeah, well, thank you everyone for joining. I hope you have a great rest of your week and uh, we will catch up with you very soon. Bye.